To that's not quite all, folks. The greatest Wayne podcast on earth. I am your marker, Mark Hallam, and I am joined by. And I am the savage lion in the cage who uh, eats all who uh, approach Jordan Schmidt. And, um, you know, it's funny because when Mark said that we had a special um, audio file for this episode and it was a circus episode, I genuinely thought we were going to get Afro Circus. Oh, I. I'm not that basic. No, I that was actually really good. That was that was wholesome and not at all like horrifying. So so that 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 actually that that exceeded my expectations. I was fully expecting Afro Circus. There's already so many things that are horrifying about the circus. I mean, there's no point in trying to make it even more hectic. Fair. Very fair. Yes, that is today's theme. It's all about the circus. The circus. <laughs> Yes, as Val Kilmer so gracefully said in uh, Batman Forever. Yes. So the three shorts we'll be looking at are Big Top Bunny, Tweety Circus, and Acrobatty Bunny. Yes. So for the first time in forever, we're doing a Tweety cartoon. And it's just my luck, due to how we do things here, I'm the one who's doing the Tweety cartoon. Yeah, I well, I, I... No, I mean, it, it used to be like... I, like your luck to get the really obscure '30s one involving the Hollywood stars. Now you get Tweety one because it, it, it goes back to your overall aversion to Tweety and Celeste cartoons, which I don't get because I always really liked them growing up. I mean, when you have a sister who's obsessed, who was as obsessed with Tweety as my sister was, you get really, really tired of them real quick. That'll do it. That that yeah. would indeed do it. Yeah, no, I, I understand that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, we have a nice little um, mix of, of, of Bugs cartoons, of Tweety cartoons, of Freeling cartoons, of McKimson cartoons. A very important McKimson cartoon, especially. Yeah. Yeah, no, McK- we have some relatively all right things to say about McKimson in this one. Surprisingly. So... We might as well get started with, with the first of our um, McKimson uh, expenditures here today, uh, and also the first of our Bugs Bunny expenditures uh, today. We're starting with Big Top Bunny. This one was released well into the Golden Age, and after the rust was sort of shaken off of the Bugs Bunny character, this was released on uh, December 1st, 1951. Uh, on this day, Dick Kazmaier of Princeton, who was a fullback, won the Heisman Trophy. Um, and Treat Williams, a character actor known to, known for films like Hair in 1941, Once Upon a Time in America, Dead Heat, and Deep Rising, was born on this day. He's also apparently a pretty wholesome uh, Twitter presence, according to Brandon, That's nice. who, I, who I run uh, Veracom. Um, That's very nice. Yeah, no, I'd say. Uh, Big Top Bunny is a McKimson and Pierce, uh, Ted Pierce, that is, um, shorts, and there's not a lot of historical things to get about it other than the fact that this was on the very first golden collection drink so i i just did watch this <laughs> ah very nice 
Uh, water. He's drinking water. Let me let me water. specify. Stay on water. Yeah. I, I'm not that I'm not that mad of covering a 2D cartoon that I'm like, I'm taking out the bourbon. <laughs> By the way, uh, just just to clue the folks in, um, the reason I know that Mark is drinking water is uh, for the first time uh, during this episode, we're actually recording with the yes. cameras on. Yes, with the cameras on. Yeah. And bye-bye. Thank you so much for getting dressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're both in tuxedos. I think you all should know that yes. detail as well. Um, yes. I, I have a, a hot pink tuxedo with, um, with little razor-sharp tails on the back and, and, yes. an, ill-fitting, and an ill-fitting fedora because that's what I do. And I'm... Wearing modest clothing with a Looney Tunes hat. An actual piece of Looney Tunes merchandise. I, which I, yeah. you would think some, because like you have like a, a bunch of Looney Tunes shit. And I got, I do. of course, going collections. I got like no shirts, no hats or anything. So I uh, well, got a hat. Recently. I actually, yeah. No, I was going to say that I don't really have any like Looney shirts or like apparel or things anymore. So one of these days I got to get one of those. Or at least a cool yeah. one of those. But. Yeah, you're, you're you're ahead of the game. Yeah. Also, I've got great stuff. Um, what's your connection to the circus? Have you ever been to the circus? Any memories of the circus? Have I ever been to the circus? I don't know. I think maybe when I was really young. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I I never went to the circus as a yeah. Lauren. That's why. Maybe like once with my grandparents when I was like six, but I barely remember anything of it so yeah the only the only real circus related things i I attended were Cirque du Soleil when they would come to town but that doesn't really count because they're french (laughs) yeah you know the thing they would do where where (laughs) i was gonna go back into mulaney i was gonna (laughs) my brother was brought up on stage stage and i was like no (laughs) and they brought him up and they reached into his sweatshirt and they were like oh on the bar and they had planted a bra and they pulled out a bra and they were like oh my no and everyone in Navy Pier was like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And my brother was like, ah, that's great. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, uh, Big Top Bunny. Yes, Big Top Bunny, the one we should be talking about. Well, let, let's dive into Big Top Bunny. Because um, we're brought into this cartoon in a rather interesting way for a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Because we start by fleshing out our antagonist. Um, we zoom in on a circus, you know, Colonel Corny's circus, and we, you know, we see Bruno, the famous Slovakian acrobatic bear. And Mel has fun voices for both Bruno and Colonel Corny, the mustachioed owner of the circus. But basically what we're establishing right up here is, is the conflict, that Bruno is so full of himself that he can't imagine sharing the spotlight with anyone else. And Corny immediately hears on the phone of a performing rabbit and sticks him right in Bruno's act. So we're establishing this all before we even see Bugs, and we know this is a Bugs cartoon. So it's it's very interesting. Also, Mel has, has gifted um, Bruno with a very David Harbour and Black Widow-esque Russian accent. Very much so. Um, now I was thinking that Bruno in this is probably what would have happened if Bongo uh, stayed in the circus. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bring it back there, sure. Yeah. Bongo! <laughs> my, my brief dinosaur impression there. Bongo! <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we, do, we do get the sort of 
entrance of you know because you know, they're they're immediately thrown into the um, the acrobatic act with each other. And I do like Bugs' entrance, which you know the cover is lifted on on you know Bugs the uh, you know the great uh, acrobatic rabbit, and it's just carrots being flung out of a rabbit hole. Then a very pompous Bugs in spandex comes out, adoring the crowd. So it, it's a very big entrance yeah. for Bugs, especially considering we've already had this big entrance for Bruno. So it it works. Yeah. My first laugh, my first big laugh of the short was honestly because you know Bugs has his entrance, and then Bruno does his sort of entrance and he's like you know just like sort of swinging his arms to the sides and he sort of in one of his arm swings he, he, he does like a thank you and he, and he swats bugs away like right in his intro just getting yeah. him out of there i like that i like the sort of abrupt slap that we're given there yes it, it, um, these are very uh slapsticky shorts that's what oh, yeah. i noticed in watching i mean you know circus very, gags uh, allow themselves for slapstick definitely yeah um now the first gag which is bugs breaking through targets and then hitting an anvil doesn't work as well because we're supposed to be on the side of Bugs and Bruno wins that. And Bruno was also acting like he were on his side, sort of winking at the at the audience. So it's another odd maneuver. Yeah, it's I don't know. It, it's very strange because you kind of understand where he's coming from. Like this is his. It was his land. Finds Bugs to be an, an he finds Bugs to be an aggressor before Bugs hmm. even decides to be aggressive. Yeah, like he never. He, he never he he oh, bugs only becomes the thing that Bruno feared after Bruno pissed bugs off, so. and that's really the essence of of bugs as a character. You know, he's docile until the moment you threaten his very existence, and then he you know makes a mockery out of you. Yeah. So, of course, on an acrobat swing, but Bruno assures bugs. Nothing bad will happen to you. And Bugs does his own version of the famous Tom and Jerry, Don't yeah, you believe it. Which is very, it's not as funny as the original Tom and Jerry one. But it's pretty good because mm -hmm. it's, it's and, and that cartoon had come out like prior to 1951, I imagine, right? Hmm. Ah, yes, a question that involves research. I, I don't know. Um... <laughs> It, if, if I know where that show was from, probably, but I don't know where it I, I It feels like a 1940s thing. I think it's from Jerry and the Lion, isn't it? Because, like, he has the book. I just conveyed that I didn't know through, like, you know, no. verbal cues. No, through video. Because I can do that now. Congratulations. I, I can pass Mark information without, like, cluing it in from audio. So I can just go. Like, whenever I want to, I can just go. Like that, and then no. you guys know no, what He's going to cut this okay, part out. Okay, I don't care. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Okay. There's a good possibility. There is a good possibility. Uh, one of the most expansive and well-researched Looney Tunes podcasts on the web. Yes, they're probably. Well, yeah, for Looney Tunes stuff, Tom and Jerry, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know shit about Tom and Jerry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a Tom and Jerry podcast for that, I think. Uh, anyway, I do love um, Bugs' rebuttal of coming up with a little telephone during the acrobat swings, which Bruno hangs onto and loses the, hangle, the, the handle of with an imminent fall. I, I always remembered Bugs' goodbye. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yes, I love that. And then they cut the next gag, and it's like a, a swing act. Yeah. And, you know, Bruno says... I'll catch you. And he says it in his weird tone. 
Mm. And then Buck just says, I'm swinging. I'm swinging. <laughs> kind of like a swing. He's making fun exactly. of his accent, yeah. yes. It's not it's not racist though, because it's just racist against Russians who are all white, pretty much. So But um this is where we have sort of the, the little fake arms gag that Bruno pulls on Bugs, right? Yes. So I, I I love Bugs defying gravity and paddling his feet in the air back to the stand. It, it's peak Looney Tunes logic. Bugs is the hero, so physics do not apply to him. But they do apply to the villain, as seen by Bruno's try of that immediately failing. I also like how, because um, with the first Bruno fall, we had a sort of gag where he, he, he fell into a tuba and then bounced into onto a timpani where the drummer sort of beat him around. And so after this gag, we repeat the audio of that gag, but we just see from Bug, like Bugs' reaction to it. We just hear it. We don't see it again. I, I kind of yes. like that. Yeah, see, he's very pleased about by this. Yes. Next, we have the high diving gag, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we have the high diving. Which is, is it's, it's honestly a precursor to the Four Yorkshiremen set, uh, sketch from Monty Python, where they're basically just getting more and more ridiculous with their one-upmanships of what they're going to do with this high dive. Like, it, it's, gonna, it's, it's Bruno going into a bucket, and then, and then Bugs saying he's going to jump 500 feet into a damp sponge, and then Bruno going, oh, no, I'm going to go 1,000 feet into a block of cement. Like, like yes. you, 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 you I, I, forget what you're doing. Yeah, just, I don't know, eventually, the, the comfort level of the ad is taking out in the sake of Bruno wanting to be better. Yeah. There's no real entertainment value in, like, yes, I want you to fall. I'm going to fall a thousand feet, give myself a concussion for the entertainment of the audience. And as I say that, I'm reminded that the NFL also exists. Oh. Oh, man, that is a low blow. Uh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in like fifty of the of, of the NFL linebackers to come after you now, Mark. Oh, oh, I forgot you've got those connections. Yes, Damn. I do. I have a surprising Damn. amount of NFL connections. Ah, <laughs> oh, Christ! All right, so yeah, so Bugs just says, "Okay, go ahead." And of course, Bruno does it, and. <laughs> Falls around to a block of cement, which is, I love it's already down there on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just randomly appeared. Yeah, it's just, just the people down below going, what are they saying? What's a block of cement? Okay. <laughs> Let's not question it. Let's not question it. He is the star. And you know, she lands a block of cement, instantly hurts himself, and you know, it's a funny visual gag. So he, he pops himself up. And he's completely out of it. And and this is where Bug sort of prepares him for his final trip, quote-unquote, which is being launched around the circus by strong men and trampolines as Frat plays in the background. Uh, it's, ve it's very fun and very interesting. Yeah, I, I think, personally, I feel the ending really exceeds the short for being average. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's such a creative, like, it's actually like a Rube Goldberg-esque machine but through the usage of circus acts, it's, it's yeah. creative. And it ends with him being shot out of a cannon, correct? Yes. Yes, it ends up being uh, shot of a cannon. And, and the shot out of the whole place. Yeah. You, you'll understand why I have to specify which one is the one where the guy gets shot out of the cannon when we get to our third. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
think Bugs had a mildly amusing final line or something. Oh, yeah, something about this going yeah. on with a bang. Yeah, fine. No, it's more like a Tweety-level yeah. pun. But, um, so this is a decent bug short. I mean, there is some good gag work, but a lot of it played the basics. A very basic Bugs antagonist, a very basic sort of structure. Some very basic gags. There is some good gags, and I like that ending, and I like one or two little moments throughout, but it is a very basic Bugs Bunny short. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, I, I did like, it has some odd animation in points, but I feel that the ego of Bruno, as well as the ending, kind of saved it for me. Okay, it wasn't as, um, I don't know, I, I think it wasn't as simplistic as I, I think it is. It's, 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 it just it banked down into simplicity a few too many times for me. Yeah, a bit, yeah. So I, I gave this a 3 out of 5. I give this a, a, a 3.5 out of 5. Oh, Because really? I, I, I really built the ending. It really woke everything up for me. Okay. So, yeah, because of that, I, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I mean, for me, it was it was kind of too little too late. But, no, sure, no, that's valid. I originally had it at a 3.5, and I thought about it a little. So. Yeah, so that's example one of Bugs Bunny at the Circus. This is, um, yes. next one here is, um, the only Tweety cartoon of the episode, and it's, mm. uh, Tweety Circus. Came out on June 4th, 1955. Tell what happened on that day. The Mickey Rooney Show aired its last episode on NBC. So what you're saying is it was a short run? Yes. He, you know, he, he went to that film studio, said, let's put on a show, and NBC eventually went, that's enough of that. That's enough <laughs> of that. I was the biggest star in the world. Uh, this was directed by Frizz Freeling, written by Warren Foster. I have no notes, so let's go right into it. All right. All right, so our short begins. Sylvester is living his best life. He's singing this song called Meow. That's apparently his theme song. I've never heard him sing it in any yeah, other Yeah, I've never heard it either. How do you have a theme song that most Looney Tunes fans won't even know? Yeah. I know Tweety's theme song. Yeah. Which, funny enough, it, 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 they, they don't sing in this. Um, no. So he's walking around, minding his own business. He sees there's a circus. He's like, oh boy, it's the circus. I love the this circus. circus. That, that at least, you the know, befits of the Val Kilmer pronunciation. The circus? Do you like the circus? Suffering circuses. I love circuses. Do you like the circus? Now, after the conversation of Sylvester and Val Kilmer talking about why, why they love the circus. Circus? Um, circus! <laughs> it's great! Isn't it, though? Oh, the one that I got my boy Wonder through the circus. Oh, did you did you rent him out? No, his parents died. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's not even a, a, a an S in wow. Exactly. Uh so Savannah just walked in, I was like, oh boy, pink lemonade, con candy, peanuts. Which Peanuts. I peanuts. And I you know, I never realized that pink lemonade was a 
circus thing. I thought that was just apparently a thing that exists. Like, apparently oh, it was. Apparently. So Smusher's walking behind the circus, sees a lion cage slain as the king of the cats, <laughs> and Sylvester is just pissed off at this. Yeah. It's like, you're not my king. I never elected you. He's a rebellious <laughs> fella, I guess. And then, uh, you know, uh, Sylvester had two choices in, in this situation. He could have just said, I don't believe you as king, screw you, or violence. And for some reason, Sylvester just decides, I'm going to whack this lion on the head with a shovel. Because fuck so, it. <laughs> he chooses violence more often than not, honestly. Yeah, so, so Sylvester just, so, so automatically off the, off the bat, we have our... Well, not quite a B plot, more like a B gag plot, because the A plot's always until Sylvester gets tweety. Yeah. So Sylvester's walking through the animal cages, finds a tweety bird. So of course he wants to eat it. Yes. Even though he said earlier that he loves the food at the circus. Well, Tweety is food at the circus for him. Yeah. And then uh, Tweety says the thing. You know. Yeah. And Suffering fucking we... cash. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, our chase begins. So in this cartoon, it's Sylvester and Tweety chasing each other at the circus. Yeah. And while they're doing all this, there's a lion that hates Sylvester. Yeah, because Sylvester pissed him off. The lion is kind of the hero here. Yes, yeah, so, so during the chase, Sylvester runs into the lion cage by accident Sees the lions right there, and Sylvester decides to hit the lion you know, with a, what's a, a yeah. plate of wood or something. Like he just again, which again, yes, to save his life because he's now in the cage of the lion. Maybe still just mercilessly being this lion once, then twice, and then the lion is pissed off at this, which just grabs Sylvester, gets like wood, just hits him to the ground. Completely yeah. fair. Serves him That's right. Completely fair. Serves him right. So then, then we get a, you know, Tweety's wondering, okay, got to up for Sylvester, sees Sylvester, runs off, and we cut to this uh, fire hose, and the Tween runs into the, the fire hose, and Sylvester is just like, okay, come out of there, come out of there, and then we just cut uh, the, uh, the wide shot to reveal that it's an elephant's trunk. Yes, That's I love great. that reveal. That's great. And, of course, the elephant's pissed off. Picks up Sylvester, beats him to the ground. I love the the shot of the pissed off elephant grabbing Sylvester and just glaring down. And it should be a horror poster. Trunk by M Night Shyamalan. Plot twist: It's actually a rhino. It turns out it ties to the James and the Giant Peach universe. Yeah, it's the story. Yes. It's the background of, of of the Black Rhino. Yes. <laughs> and also Bruce Willis is there. Anyway, okay. Sure. He, he voices the, the black rhino. Yeah. Hey, James, I'm going to eat your parents. Come out to the savannah. We'll get together. Have a few lambs. Uh, so Sylvester gets thrown into the lion's cage again. He does like a lion's tamer act to get out of it. Then, of course, <laughs> the act gets put onto him. <laughs> and Sylvester thinks he's escaped, but you know, he does like a ha-ha. And I escaped and of course. He was too close to the cage. Yeah, and there's just slashes him. We then get into a high-diving gag. They do a high-diving gag. 
Bugs is yeah. a high diving gag. You all get high diving gags. <laughs> sure. Sure. So Tweety's being chaotic. So Tweety flies down uh, the high diving act, survives, goes to an elephant, says, hey, are you thirsty? Come over here. And the elephant just drinks all the water before Sylvester hits the ground. So, of course, Sylvester just dives into nothing. Just I, I, A couple of things barrel. I love about this gag is it's a well-constructed gag. I love the overhead shot of Tweety falling into the pool, which is... It just illuminates how well animated the short is. I love the punchline with the elephant. And I love um, Flat and Sylvester springing up and chasing after a tweet. Yes. So, again, the lion is chasing Sylvester. And Sylvester runs by this uh, fire-eating act. I because, like this. you know, one of the, yes. So, Sylvester just takes the hat, puts it on his head... And pretends to be the fire eater. Of course, he forgets it's a fire eating act. So the lion comes over to him. And Spencer Chess takes a stick, puts it on the fire, and holds it. And I love how the the um the lion just points to the sign that says fire eater. <laughs> just like, even the lion's not buying this. It's like, aren't you supposed to be doing that? It's like, uh. So. Yeah, most, most of this gag is done non-verbally, which I love. And it's a lot of motions and expressions, which has is, is, is worked really well. And, yes. and Freeling can do that. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Sylvester just eats the fire, thinks he's gotten away with it, the lion escapes, and then, of course, he ate fire. So, to demonstrate how hot it is, his bottom, the bottom half of his body is just burning up. Yeah. Which is a, it's a lovely execution, because it's not just, oh, the face gets red or smoke coming in the ears. No, it's, it's so hot that his body is literally, burn, literally burning up. So Sylvester just runs into a thing of water, the elephant, once again, takes all the water I like out of the tank. Re repetition. Yes. And, of course, no, he's you know, he's hiding in the tank. He thinks he's safe. Then the lion just comes up over the tank and immediately <laughs> another great runs, shot. Up, runs up into the um, the wire walking acts. And we got this, this bit where Sylvester is trying to get Tweety... And he finds out that Tweety is on the end of the walking stick whole thing. So he originally thinks he's going to put the, the stick on the wire and walk on the stick. Of course, there's a work because if he does that, the stick falls off and he hurts himself. So he, he walks back, gets four bricks. He just finds bricks lying around, walks back, puts the bricks on the walking stick... And is walking over to get Tweety, and it kind of works. I think that just it, it, it ties into the the definitely like the, the the physics of Freeling. I think it's very much a well thought out, very because like, it's all about balance. It's all about not trying to disrupt the balance, and it's a very almost educated sort of gag where where Sylvester is trying to do all of this while balancing and and like keeping physics in mind, and of course you know. The, the, him, his undoing is not like something like out of physics, like the bug one, but it's it's you know the lion screwing with him one more time. Yeah, so the, the lion just take looks at the lion's like at the bricks. The butcher's just like, no, please. <laughs> um, by the way, I do have the animation of um, Spencer thinks he's gone tweet. He gets tweet like five seconds. I love the expression on Spencer's face. It's very well animated. 
So the tiger just takes the bricks off the uh, off the walking stick. Sylvester falls off the uh, the high wire, and the lion just runs on over, omens his mouth, and we cut back to Sylvester falling, and then just pan down to the lion with Sylvester's tail in its mouth, just kind of like chewing on it, and it's uh it's nice. So um, now Sylvester opens the lion's mouth, bolts out of there, goes to a different section. Locks himself into the area. Without without key. seeing what's behind him. Without seeing what's behind him because he's that scared for his life. Yeah. And he says, okay, that takes care of my lion troubles. All good. Then hard cut to Sylvester in a bin, essentially, full of lions and tigers. <laughs> and, and we don't even see Sylvester getting hurt. We just, we just hear to it. Tweety. We just hear him as as Tweety's on the uh, the marker stand saying, "Hey, come see fifty lions and a putty tag. Fifty lions that go with Chris show on Earth. Lion war." Then Tweety goes, 50 lions. Come see the fifty lions." <laughs> so uh, I'll give the short props for doing the dark ending of killing Sylvester. <laughs> I liked the ending a lot. I think it, it built it up and, and built from the rest of it and went there. Which a lot yeah. of Tweety cartoons aren't always prone to do. No, they're not. And actually, I think actually, I did really like this one because it wasn't just the conventional Sylvester and Tweety running around in X location. That's all you get. I love that the lion's here. I love that. I love that the lion is just it's just there to provide uh, gags that would be. Honestly, we'd see these type of gags in Roman Legion hair. I think they're better in Roman Legion hair. Yeah, they are. But I did like how it wasn't just a purely Sylvester chasing Tweety short. And I found the uh, the gag works was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, I mean like, yeah, I, I also really like this one. It had, to accome, it had to overcome some early slowness. But it got going around the third of the way through. And from there, it just really impressed me. There was some really good gag works and excellent animation. And... One of the better sort of out of the box Tweety and Sylvester ones out there, and this was after they'd been working with these characters for enough time they needed to really flip the script every once in a while. And this was a good, you know, variation on that theme. I, I think it really worked. Uh, I'm also going to say a three point five out of five minutes. Yeah, that's that's what I'm giving it. It's a good one. Yeah, definitely. It definitely got. Uh, it definitely got something more than just the conventional things. Yeah. So let's let's get to our last short and our second of the two bug shorts. And it's weird because of the, the bug shorts both feel like their title should have been Switch. This one is Acrobatty Bunny, and it feels like the first one should have been Acrobatty Bunny, and this one should have been Big Top Bunny. But again, the Warner Brothers people know what they're doing, I think. Yeah. Um well, Acrobat Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, I mean this one came first. I don't know. It did, but do you think in 51 they were like, oh, why didn't we do Big Top Bunny then and Acrobat so we can have Acrobatty now? Yeah. Yeah, Acrobatty Bunny came out on June 29th, 1946 in theaters at the time was Orson Welles' The Stranger. Not a heck of a lot else going on at the same time. I think um, I think Diane von Furstenberg's husband was born that day. Don't quote me on that. This is directed by Robert McKibson, written by Warren Foster. 
it's an important one because this was uh, Robert McKimson's first Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yes, it was his first one after taking over Frank Tashlin's um, unit at Warner. This is also an interesting cartoon because, for, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the first cartoons to really explore the um, the anatomy and geography of Bugs's of, of inside Bugs's route. I believe, I believe so. Okay, because it definitely has some. I, like I hadn't seen it in many before this, I think. But don't quote me. Remember, we're not the foremost Looney Tunes experts. We just play no. them on TV. Oh uh, no! But this is uh, Bugs's second encounter with a lion. Right. What was the first? Uh, hold the lion, please, with the oh. Leo lion. Hold the Lion by Toto? Yes. Oh, it's... Oh. Oh, my God. That's a... Um, that's a horrible... I'm going to show this because it's... Look at that. Oh, Boy, okay. Ain't, isn't that a choice? That's a choice of font. My yeah, that, that font looks like my grandmother's upholstery. It looks like uh, the cover of that Van Halen album. Which one? Uh, the one with the, all the lines on it. I, I think it's a Greatest Hits compilation. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, that's that's def. It's definitely a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. Yes. Sure. On this audio platform, which is which is people. Yeah, imagine, just imagine you can see that. Just imagine you can see the whole the line. Please, uh, font. Any other background stuff about this before we can go into it? It's the second Looney Tunes short to have the written That's All Folks on the uh, color rings. Cool. So that's that's a one. It's not the very first one, which I think would have been a cooler factoid, but oh well. Wow. And, uh, yeah, right it. Okay. Um, so... What really striked me about the first sort of minute of this cartoon is the rhythmic quality of it, where everything sort of moves to the beat of, you know, like workers sort of pounding in the posts as the circus comes to town. Like everything is sort of like, you know, like, like everything moves to the beat of the little hammer drops. And it, it's, it's very cool and very interesting. Like you just like you, you hear it from outside and you sort of go down Bugs's rabbit hole when you just see him in his bed in his in his in his uh studio apartment down below and um you see him get a, like gradually more annoyed yes i just love um again you talked about it, but i love how it's how bugs's hole is a refurbished it's a refurbished room yeah it's really refurbished there's a bed there's there's pictures and it's just all getting rattled by the uh by the circus yeah, no, this is a really nice sort of intro because first of all, it gives us, it, go, it lets us go deeper into Bugs's world, but also it just, it's one of the first sort of like things happen over where Bugs's hole is now, sort of Bugs cartoon, which is which would become the norm for the next like, fifteen years. Yeah. Um. Also, there's just really good sound effects in this cartoon. Like, aside from the post-pounding and everything, and then the sound of things being moved, there's also the sound, because, you know, Bugs' hole is basically 
you know, they move in a lion in a lion in a lion's cage over where Bugs' hole is. And I love the sound that Nero the lion's nose makes when he sniffs down Bugs's hole. Okay. When he when he sniffs down Bugs's rat hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, as well as the well-timed jostling back and forth Bugs does hanging onto his bed from like the wind in his yes. room. Yeah, because the lion is um, like sniffing into the rabbit hole. Yes. As so, we have bits of Bugs in his bed and his blankets, kind of kind of like a sardine can, because yeah. they just love Warner Brothers loves sardine can jokes. Yeah. So much. It was a, it was a ripe um, subject for comedy in the 1940s. Um, and I also love the process of elimination that Nero the lion makes in his head when trying to figure out who's yeah. in the hole. Not a dog. Not a camel. Not a chicken. Definitely not a skunk. Yeah. He literally scribbles it out with fury. And then literally shot a bugs, not a rabbit, bugs, and he just writes okay on it. I, I love that we get to see his thought yeah. process. Yeah, I, I love how the lion, so most of lion's dialogue is like roars or whatnot, but, uh, it, but it can also speak English. Like it, it can understand and comprehend English, but in a way that's still very animalistic. Yeah, it's, it's the lion version of Coco the gorilla, just much more ferocious. Yes. They taught him. They t- <laughs> they taught him English. He taught them how to taste good. <laughs> how inspirational. Um, and 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 we see Bugs sort of sheepishly begin to sort of take the elevator up to the surface, and I love how it just sort of bends him through tunnels, like to the right and to the left and stuff, and literally it just gets him up to the surface, right over the lion's mouth and right into it almost. Yeah, and I, I just love, um, so Bugs gets into Lion's Mouth and just screams Pinocchio. Yes. Take that, Disney. Yeah, say that, Disney. Oh, your movie has fantastic animation? Screw you! <laughs> We're funny. But from here, it just sort of becomes the struggle of, like, Bugs versus Nero the Lion. Like, there's a roar off, like, Bugs sort of snarls at him, then, then Nero, like, just like growls even louder at him and Bugs like, oh, okay. I, I see your point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that Bug says, listen, I'm the tenant from downstairs. Yeah, I love that too. He's just the upstairs neighbor. Yeah. And then, and then, like just how Bugs squeezes through the, uh, the, 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 the gates of, of the of the little uh, the lion cage and, and the lion's still snarling at him and he just goes iron bars do not a prison make but they sure help eh doc I love that line <laughs> uh, and then um, and then Bugs just gets a little bit too confident for himself he kind of like ha ha gets a piece of wood so it's just wood planks of wood lying around these things you ever notice that yeah you know the circus is uh, they saw him at the door. Planks of wood. Yeah, sure. And where's that in any prequel movie? I, I want that one entire prequel, one entire movie on Plank's journey. How it got the giant two by four. Nah, yes, it, it sounds like the. It sounds like Minions. Honestly, it sounds like uh, that sort of thing. But you know, there's a there's a way you could write Plank and make it like a really like 
subtle, quiet, like slice of life sort story, like the straight story, but with wood. Yeah. So a bug's just asking for it because he's just you know, like, ha ha ha, you know, as playing a wood, just go around the gates. And of course, the lion finds a way out by just replacing some of the bars with his teeth. Yeah, I like the little xylophone when he hits it. And uh, you know, and, and then we're we're, we're kind of kind of off from here. So um, uh, next is the is the, the elephant guy, right? Ah, yes, yeah. So yeah, so Bucks just somehow finds a way to run into the cage and locks him near. Says ha ha, and then and then oh, the 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 I think um the lion thing goes aha. Again, just I love how the lion can also speak English and just runs back, gets an elephant. Bugs is like, "What the hell?" As the lion just slams the back of the elephant to keep going, which brings up the question: Is it animal abuse if it's two animals? If it's an animal getting <laughs> abused from their animal, is that animal abuse? I know the circus has that. Dear James Goodall. <laughs> Is this okay? Is this fine? Dear Mark and Jordan, please stop call, Stop emailing me. The restraining order says what it says. Oh, God. Yeah, all right, so... But this is the precursor to the wind-up mouse gag from Sahara Hare. Where Bugs uses a little wound-up mouse to sort of scare the crap out of the uh, elephants and make uh, make some drop. It's funnier in Sahara Air, but it's pretty good here. Yeah, it's just an elephant using a he, the, the elephant really grabs um, Nero and just beats the crap out of the mouse. Yeah, but I'm sure Peter hell Jane, hell screw Jane Goodall. Peter must be confused as hell. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> do we intervene? Do we be annoying? With the mouses and the lion and with the elephant. Who do we feel the worst for here? <laughs> I kind of hate everyone in this situation. Yeah. It's like election that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is the elephant. All we need is a donkey, really. True. So. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> there is something uh, very funny moving on to the next gag. About Bugs ducking behind a, a trailer door, Nero opening it to reveal a clown Bugs going... <laughs> that alone is funny, even before the song he starts singing. Like, just cut it out of context and just move... Da -da 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 -da. Yay! <laughs> it's like a family guy of gag. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And, yeah, so Bugs just... Sings the song about, you know, uh, it's not sending the clowns. It's, it's laugh, sending, clown, laugh. Laugh, clown, laugh, yeah. And again, it's just Bugs' plan is I'm going to dress up as a clown and just have the lion laugh hysterically so I can escape. Beat the shit out of him. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it works. It works. And this leads us finally into the sort of big top, into the circus, where they'd have some very... We, we get some circus gags here, and the acrobat of the acrobatic bunny. And, and it's, it's the two of them swinging around. And I think there's a similar gag to um, Big Top Bunny, where, like, 
I think the lion drops bugs, but he bounces back up and goes, net? And then, <laughs> and then uh, I think he drops the lion and goes, no net. <laughs> yes. Uh, so That's the, the lion one. is just, it's just out of it. And then uh, Bugs decides to, um, what did he do? He, he goes on the, on the high dive again. Yeah. And Bugs kind of tricks, kind of tricks Nero into going to a, a cannon somehow. I oh yes, exactly how which, we is, which is which is pretty clever because again, there's a good like ten se- second lingering shot on him trying to fit his fat ass into the boat barrel of a cannon. Yeah, uh, I feel we'll, we'll kind of mudge around a bit when we get to this area, but um, Bug sets the cannon off. The cannon explodes. The lion is completely out of it, as the remnants of the cannon look like a hula skirt. And so there's a hula, there's a Hawaiian in somebody. Yes, it was just, and when they're doing a hula, Bugs says, yep, we're available for birthday parties, weddings, and smokers. <laughs> it's a cute ending, but it's, it's, yeah. it's not like a big ending. Nah, not really. Um, so this one had a very strong gag-based first half that kind of petered off towards the second half. But this yeah. is still a fun one. Like, there's some great early Bugs manic energy mixed with late Bugs gag work. Um, the Kimson gets the character pretty well here. There's it, it, it. The lion is a great adversary for Bugs, and, and it's funny when he loses. It's it's a pretty good uh, bug story. Better than the other one, definitely. I mean, I, I will say I think because it's his first, but Kimson hasn't learned the tools that would get him to make mediocre Buzz cartoons. Because, yeah, yeah, he hasn't figured out the what bugs, but in New York. What yeah. bugs, but in... What if bugs had iPad? Wait, wait, that, that, that's... that's <laughs> what <I'm> if <laughs> bugs get iPad, yes. <laughs> literally, that, that's literally the LinkedIn show. I, I saw some... Bing, 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 No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs! Therapy! <laughs> We're not. We already did that. We already did that. We're not doing that again. No, no, no. So, um, again, I, I will give the short this is that, and that McKibson still, he still has the energy, not quite from Tashlin. I, I, I would accustom him more to like Bob Clampett kind of style yeah. of gag work. Yeah. So, the gag work here is still good. Um, the animation was fine. Uh, nothing really in it really blew me away. Uh, I guess the really? lion dancing was kind of funny. I don't know. But yeah, I, I really did like the um, the lion character. It's a very good adversary. And it's understanding of the English language. I think that, that really helps. Yeah, no. I, definitely an improvement over uh, Big Top. Oh, yeah. I'm giving it a four. I, I, it's probably higher than yours, but I don't care. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I'm giving it a, a three out of five. Okay. You see this is great. I, I can see your shocked expression of what the fuck. Because <laughs> usually you had to imagine it, but now you can see me being taken aback by you giving a three grade to something that I thought was the four. It was four. Yeah. Uh, this can't possibly go. Okay. Wrong. All right. <laughs> All right. So for next week's show, we're. Yeah, you know, something that I noticed is that um, we did a lot of bug shorts in the past two episodes. 
So let's yeah. just do the complete opposite entirely. And look at shorts that have no recurring Looney Tune characters at all. And and that means like scouring sometimes the last decade of Warner Brothers, sometimes because a lot of these I think are from the sixties. I, I I think one of them might be a fifties one. But some of these that we're doing are, are one-hit wonder shorts that are more fleshed out ideas than even some of the loony ones. And it's Chuck Jones and Frank Tashlin and those guys playing with more avant-garde concepts than just what, what if Bugs was doing this or what if Daffy was doing this. So it's all three of these are going to be really interesting to cover. We should probably talk about which one we are covering now. Yeah, so the ones we'll be covering are Now Hear This... The Bear That Wasn't, and Martian Through Georgia. Yeah, some very interesting ones. Uh, now Here This was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, the Bear That Wasn't is an adaptation of Frank Tashlin's picture book. Martian Through Georgia is another very interesting case. And so we will deal with these um, next week, and hopefully we'll have some things to say about them, because a lot of these won't even be like, you know, traditionally funny, like, like the Bugs ones and like the one we've been covering. Like, a lot of these might challenge us. A lot of them yes. might be more similar to something like Norman Normal, which was... Yeah, as, especially now hear this. I Yes, that one well, is... Yeah, that one's definitely obscure, while the other two are a lot more um, interesting. The, the stories are really interesting for these three, so I think that's going to be uh, fascinating to discuss. Awesome. Yeah, no, that'll be a cool. All right. That is the end of this week's show. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Hallam, 1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also uh, follow our podcasts wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, wherever, whenever. The groove will keep us together, uh, whatever the Shakira song was. All right, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan, and the circus is leaving town for right now, but it may pick back up in your sleeps.